0: Broadway, the glint of pavement, the brilliance of steel, the scarlet neon. It glitters, then shatters against the black of winter's wind. Then the shrapnel of color screams, winds through the darkness, and you run to it. Gather the fragments close, and be pierced by the splintered edge of beauty. But they ride the wind. You look at your hands that have reached in the shadows, and find they hold a sigh, the stain of a tear. Broadway observes you. Broadway laughs. You pretend it never happened. But then, warmed by the touch of the afternoon sun, Broadway relents, offers you a token of regret. The man lying with a knife in his back in an apartment on West 56, lately furnished with death. And another man touching things, lifting things, replacing them quietly. Even when he talks, he is quiet so that the dead may hear. The call came while you were out to lunch, Danny. I couldn't find you. They told me to take it. And... Who is he, Mungerman? Kenneth Mitchell. Rented this place about three days ago. Super told me he was a very quiet man, model tenant. Wished he had more like it. And find under him? The appointments of a quiet man. Some books, a uh, few magazines. There's two suits of clothes, the one he's wearing, another in the closet. Three shirts. When I came in, the radio was playing some classical music. I turned it off. And nothing else? Yeah, something else. Come on, I'll show you. In the next room, then. Miss Danny. This lady, Miss Ruth Corey. Come in. You were here when Detective Mugavan arrived, Miss Corey?
1: Yes, I called the police. I waited. I didn't want Kenneth to be alone.
0: Miss Corey told me she found him like that last night when she came to visit him. What time last night, Miss Corey?
1: I was to come by for Kenneth at 8. We were going for a walk. I was late. How late? Hmm, 15, 20 minutes. I know, because I didn't want it to be late.
0: That's right, Danny. Kid's watch has stopped at 820. Must have shattered himself. And you found him like that, the way he is in the front room?
1: Yes. I knocked. Kenneth didn't answer. But sometimes Kenneth fell asleep. Just like that, sleep would come over him. I never woke in. I'd wait. wait. Just look at him and wait. Did you have the key? No, the door was open. I walked in. I'd done it before. Didn't
0: call anyone, ask for help?
1: No. Why did you wait so long, Miss Curry?
0: Miss Corey, I asked you something. Why did you wait so long to call us?
1: Because I loved him. Because I wanted him to myself as long as... Because we never had very much time.
0: For an instant after that, we stared at each other. It was a moment touched with faraway sounds and a sudden recognition... The girl, her eyes feverish, her cheeks too red, the languid movement of her hands, the quality of sickness that was forever part of Ruth Corey. Then the news sounds the men from headquarters who were the statisticians of violent death. I walked into the next room and nodded to them, told Mugaman to get a doctor for Miss Corey. Then I left. into the manner and cause of dying of a man named Kenneth Mitchell. Consult this record and that. Come up with facts. Kenneth Mitchell lived on West 86th Street. Kenneth Mitchell had a wife. Go there.
1: Just tell me one thing, Mr. Clover. I want you to tell me the truth. I don't want you to spare me. I have to know. We had a life together, Kenneth, and I. Mrs. Mitchell. Not much of one. I made myself suffer with Kenneth. I thought that way we could be closer. Now that he's dead, you got to tell me was there pain? No, I don't think so. No pain? I said there would be. I've read about it. You see, in most cases, they oh, say.
0: I understand what you're talking about.
1: Death of my husband.
0: That's right. He was stabbed to death.
1: You, you said. I
0: said I was from the police.
1: You told me Kenneth was dead. I didn't hear what else. Death to death. In an apartment on West Fifty Sixth. Dead.
0: Kenneth. No more. Done. I've finally. You expected
1: Kenneth to die? I wanted to be there. I made him a promise that I would be near him. And the doctor told me he didn't have a chance. I told Kenneth when the time came, I'd be with him. Your
0: husband was that sick?
1: Dying. And the doctor called me and told me he'd left the sanitarium. What sanitarium? The lungs, the sanitarium on the river. Kenneth used to watch the river. And I'd go to visit him. We'd sit on the porch. I knew he used to love watching the river because he'd never talked to me. I tried saying things. After a while, I just sat
0: there until a nurse came and told me to go. You said your husband left the sanitarium.
1: Walked out. Can you imagine him doing a thing like that to me? But he was sick. He didn't know what he was doing. Yes, he did know.
0: Your husband was murdered.
1: I should have been there. He cheated me of that. You know,
0: a girl named Ruth Torrey?
1: No. No, no, I don't think so. Was she there? Yes. Can he needed me there? I would have helped. Told him it was all right. Not to be frightened. I
0: couldn't get through to her anymore. When I asked where she was at 8.20 last night, she said she didn't know. She really didn't know. Walking around the neighborhood, she supposed. She always did that at night. I thanked her, but she didn't hear me. So I left her to her own particular brand of grief. <laughs> Lake Works, then. The sanitarium on the East River. He walked softly behind her, footsteps set up an echo down the long corridor. Get got ushered into a small office and introduced to Dr. Nestor, who lights a cigarette from the one he's just finished. And no cigarette company has asked me which brand I smoke. You care for one? No, thanks. All right. Well, now that we've done the civilized things, what brings the police to see Dr. Nestor? We found a boy murdered several hours ago. The name of Kenneth Mitchell. You're talking literally, of course. He was murdered? That's right. Stabbed. And you found out Kenneth was a patient here? And that he walked out of here three days ago. Who stabbed him? Ruth? How do you know Ruth? She was a patient here. Walked out with Kenneth. What happened? Kenneth was married. And so was Ruth Cora. They met here at the sanitarium? They were lucky. They had one thing in common that would never change. They were both dying. They fell in love. The fact that they were already married is no concern of mine. They lived all but a small part of their lives on the outside. Whatever they left there, they left. They made that decision. As their doctor, I respected it. I see. Try to understand it. Did, uh, did Ruth kill him? We don't know. I'm trying to find out who else would have motive. Have you seen Ruth's husband? No. They live on Park Avenue. I'll have the nurse get the address. I'd see Mr. Corey. He was the part of Ruth's life she left outside. Perhaps she was happy she did. Uh. Have names? It's a revelation to me. It's loud mouths, loud feet that I know about. I told you I want to talk to Mrs. Corey. You too. Sure you do. Come on, I'll take you to you and talk to her. I'm back. Said you wanted to talk to me, too. I'm a busy man. Running after money takes all my time. You better grab me while you can. A man was murdered last night. I know. And Ruth him. She told me all about it. How she sat up through the night with him, and him dead. It didn't touch me at all. If so I remember right, I laughed. Mm hmm. I laughed. You can ask Ruth. You knew Kenneth Mitchell? Sure. But never close enough to touch him with my hands. He was sick. But you knew him. Mm Mm-hmm. Do something for me. Ruth's comb on the dresser. Give it to me. I want to comb her hair. Here. Thanks. Like silk. Like pure silk. You were going to tell me about Kenneth Mitchell. Sure. You see, Ruth? You see the way she is? Mitchell did this to her. How? She was on her way to getting well because I bought that for her. Anything she wants, I buy for her. She was getting well, I tell you, when this. Mitchell tried to kill her all over again. The doctor told me there was nothing that could be done for her. Thanks to Mitchell? Mitchell thought he had something in Ruth. I don't know what. Maybe a sick man likes to rub a piece of life whenever he can. Even from Ruth. That's what made me laugh when she told me he was dead. Yeah, that's it. Because nothing that belongs to me dies. Mitchell was murdered last night. You'll tell me where you were. Yeah? Took you a long time, didn't it? I was with my lawyer. Go ask him. I pay him fat to handle things like this. What lawyer? Where? Gordon Horner, 1219, East 60th. He handles my money, he handles my alibis. Oh, uh, shut the door soft when you go out, huh? Uh-huh. What is it? My name's Danny Clover. I'm from the police. What about it? The cop in the beat said it's all right if I park my car overnight in front of the house. I've been doing it for a year. The cops ought to talk to each other before you ring doorbells. What's the matter with you? Are you through talking? Mm, you must be new. Your name Horner? Sure it is. Walter Corey told me to look you up. Well, Mr. Corey did, Then huh? Why don't you come in? Here, in here. You told me Mr. Corey said so. Imagine, all that talk outside it's cold. There's a fireplace in here. Imagine. What is your job with Mr. Corey? i his lawyer. How long have you been working for him? Since the minute he made a million dollars. At 1.21 p.m. at the Curb Exchange on Wall Street, December 12th, 1938. Sweet futures. I introduced myself and he said you're hired. Does he pay you well? I can afford my whims. That's more than most men can say. Would you lie for him? I have. And will. he if benefit concerns murder. Uh, let me think about that for a moment. Uh, there's a dartboard. Uh, you can throw darts. Let me think. Would you like that? Or would you just rather stare at that interesting dart? Get off it, Horner. I ask your question. Well, I wouldn't lie, if it concerned murder. All right. Did you see Mr. Corey last night? I did. He told me to meet him at Grand Central. I did. We had about two weeks. We spent about an hour together talking business. What time did you meet him? Oh, uh, listen to me, Mr. Clover. I don't know what you're trying to get out of me, but I know it was 8.20. There was a clock in the window of the store. I set my watch by it. 8.20. 8.20. <sighs> I guess that's all. Well, you don't have to leave. Uh, there's a game I make up with a dartboard. You'd enjoy it. Huh? There's always
1: solitaire.
0: The lawyer ushered me to the door, tried to take my hand to shake it. He never made it. Then the walk in the quiet streets across Sixtieth to Park, the dark wind sweeping the autumn leaves, gathering them in the gutters at night. Walk down park and past Dorman, putting lights on potted trees, and consider motive and alibi. Consider why someone needed a dying man dead. His wife, the girl Ruth, her husband, who was going to buy life back for her. Sword grab central now. The intrusion of the sounds of night. The metallic creeping of the leaves. The deep cry of steel up under the earth. Then another sound. A <laughs> sound that tears through flesh, rips, And then explodes, explodes. A woman screams. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. comes up from the river and twists the headline around an ankle, lifts it up again, flattens it against the gutter. Look down at it and stare. Not at the big one, the smaller one there, almost burned by the cigarette butt. Man murdered, it says. Lean closer. Kenneth Mitchell stabbed to death in an apartment on West 56th Street. And the part of it almost charred, Officer in charge of case shot down. Then shrugs and walk on. Tomorrow is another day. You'll spend it at the foot of the rainbow sure. As far as I was concerned, I had to consider the officer in charge of the case, the man who was shot down, me, and the two men near me, trying to help him mm. in that bottle that day, Bottle? No, no, not that one, the other one, the brown one. Brown bottle. Mm. Mm, yeah, thank you. Hold on to the edge of the table, Danny. Go ahead, hold on. Just take it easy, Dr. Sinsky. Look, Danny, a bullet grazed your skull. Be thankful that you can still feel pain. Well, just don't hurt him, doctor. Just hold on, Danny. (laughs) Okay. Now we'll bandage you up. Hand me the bandage, you know? Bandage? Mm. You... You hurt much, Danny? A headache. Don't worry about it. The scalp wound isn't very deep. You know, Danny... This is the self same thing that made Mike Shrek, the miracle detective from Philadelphia, bald-headed. Time after time, he got his scalp blasted. You know my headaches. I told you that. What happened, Danny? I don't know. Someone shot at me. A half inch lower, and you'd have been. Leave him alone. His headache. Scissors. Scissors. Okay, mm. doctor. Okay. You
1: are a man who has been a half inch from death. In a couple of months, when the barber asks you what that scar is, tell him that. Try to laugh about that. Try to be. I'll get it. Sergeant
0: Tatagi on the phone. Danny Clover? Oh, well, he's in no condition at all. Give me the phone, Gino. Phone. Danny Clover speaking. Think I can help you on the Kenneth Mitchell case? You interested? I'm interested. I'm Ted Lawson. I'll be right down. Hey, William, in a minute, mister. You want to give this Paton a leg another his prime. I'll wait. Look at it, miss. Look, I brought up the grain. See? Here. Here? Run your hand over it. Oh, it's beautiful. Mahogany responds to my touch. It's... It, I, I mean... Well, I mean, I like working with wood ever since they forced it on me in manual training. You're Ted Lawson? Yeah. Look, I wasn't trying to convince you how good I am. There's lots of cabinet makers. We all... I'm from the police, Ted. Oh. Well, you got here fast. They told that you had something on Kenneth Mitchell's murder. How do you fit in, Ted? Ruth Corey's my sister. There she was until she married that Hey, you've been hurt, mister... I got a couch in the back room. It's covered with sawdust, but I could burn it. You have seen Ruth? At the sanitarium a couple of times. I bought her fruit, magazines, things like that. It was maybe a year ago. You haven't seen her since? No, Corey wouldn't let me. Said I upset her. Left orders I couldn't see her. That's why I called you, mister. Why? You gotta get her away from that man. He'll kill her. She hasn't much time, mister. He'll burn it up so fast. You've got to take her away from him. You people can do or that. Can.
1: I got a little house at Seagirt, a block from the ocean. I live there alone. I can take care of Ruth. Make it good for her. You've got to. You've got to.
0: You won't do it, huh? We can't, then. Oh, forget it. Forget I ever ask you for anything, That's the question I've got to ask you... Kenneth. Hurry it up, mister. I'm busy. Where were you at 8.20 last night? The time Ruth fun. I don't know. I was looking at the dead roller coasters on Coney, maybe. Huh? I watched the surf washing the dirt on the beach, maybe. I don't know. you knew new Kenneth Mitchell? No. But I'll tell you something. He kept my sister from getting well. Makes me feel good he's dead. Take it. Do something with it, mister. Like I said, I'm busy. It hadn't helped. It merely added another suspect Ted Lawson, brother of Ruth Corey, a man who hated anyone who could hurt his sister. Murder has an affinity for love and hate. Back at headquarters, I checked reports. Items, nothing on the whereabouts of Florence Mitchell at 8.20 last night. And sundry other items, negative, still in process of being checked. Then a phone call to the home of Ruth Corey. She wanted to see me. She wanted to talk to me. She wanted to explain things to me. Go there. Meet Miss Fabry, a nurse assigned to Ruth. Nods when she says it's a good time to talk because Mr. Corey just stepped out. Miss Fabry takes it to her patient, rearranges the pillows,
1: Yeah, now, don't be depressed and refreshed. Thank
0: you. You look a lot better, Miss Corey.
1: You don't have to do that, Mr. Clover. I know how I look. If we don't feel like talking, Ruth, we don't have to. I told Mr. Clover. I can see you later. No, please, Dave. Do you think I killed Kenneth? You could have. There were no prints on the knife blade, but... I could have wiped them off. I was with him for a long time after he was dead. We know. there are questions you want to ask me, I know that.
0: Please. Ask me. I want to tell you this. Kenneth died at 820. The only one who has an alibi for that time is your husband. Your
1: brother. Did you talk to my brother?
0: Yes. He can't tell me where he was when Kenneth died.
1: Ted? Ted killed Kenneth? Do you think he could? Everyone can kill. Yes, I know. You? I loved Kenneth. We ran away from the sanitarium to spend what time we had left together. We didn't make any dreams and got to be with each other. Spend the rest of our lives with a love that couldn't go be old because... Then you didn't kill him, did you? When I wept seeing him lying there, I wept for myself. For the first time in my life, I was sorry for myself. Because now I'd be without Kenneth. Sorry, Miss Torrey, you didn't
0: answer. Uh, oh. Kill Kenneth?
1: Did you? No. I didn't do that. No. Perhaps we'd better go now, Mr. Clover. Shall we? No. No, please stay here talk to me. Miss you Stay and talk to me. Say Kenneth's name. Sam. And... She dozed off. I'm sorry if I tired her. Yes. He we get tired so easily, we get worried about it.
0: It's late, Danny. Why don't you go home? Give in to that head wound of yours. I won't tell anybody. You checked on the girl's brother? Head yeah. He was seen walking the beach at Coney Island. Several people saw him. You're good, Markman. Ted couldn't give me an alibi, but you come up with one for him. From several people. Where do you find people like that? On Coney, you can find anything you look for, Danny. The philosophy comes with it, huh? The bullet must have touched your angry nerve, Danny. There's several people who are characters who won't give in to winter. They run hot dog stands, knish stands. They put out eagle eyes for customers. From eight until nine, they threw out bait for Lawson. He looked so hungry. Lawson didn't indulge in one knish, one hot dog. But he was walking the beach at Coney from 8 until maybe 9.30. The witnesses will be glad to testify. When he left, they gave up. That's how they remarked the time. It's still late. You still should go home. Huh? You through? Yeah. In a way, I'm sorry I opened my mouth. Ted Lawson has an alibi. Corey has one. Mitchell's wife. What about her? I got one for her, too, Danny. At 8.20, she was buying cigarettes at the candy store. Yeah, bar, yeah, right. yeah. That leaves Ruth Corey. You got a mental block, Danny. Give in to it. It was Ruth Corey. Not that girl. All she mm-hmm. ever had was Mitchell. All she... You saw her, Muggerman. You know what... Sure, I know. I know a lot of things I don't care to know. Want me to go place her under arrest? Danny, I said, do you want me to... Danny! I brought you some hot bullion. I cooked it myself on the bullion burner in technical. Here, Danny. Thanks, I thank you. Ah,
1: ship it slowly, Danny. It shouldn't make a ring in the noggin.
0: And while you are so sipping, I will go over to the window and give you a play-by-play description of New York at nighttime. Yeah. Gripped in the icy fingers of Jack Frost, New York... What time is it, Margovin? It's 8.20, Danny. What? It's 8.20, Terso, right there on the clock. You're crazy. later than that. What clock? There's the one hanging over there, across the street. Over at jewelry store. Yeah, what about it? Jewel has always set their display clocks to 820. Tell him the rest, Margaret.
1: Oh. Hello, Mr. Clover. We came back, didn't we? May I come in?
0: Please do. I want to see Mr. Corey.
1: I see. This way, Mr. Corey is with her. I want to see him alone. I don't think so. Let's close. Wait there,
0: I'll be right up. In other times, when painters tried to paint a scene of awful desolation, they chose the desert for a piece of barren rock, and there would try to picture a man in his great loneliness. Mr. Corey. Shut up, I'm reading for. You. I want to talk to you. But for a modern painter, the most desolate scene would be a street in almost any of our great cities on a Sunday afternoon. All right, Clover, you. keep your voice down. Mrs. She's sleeping. I'll cover her so she'll be warm. You murdered Kenneth Mitchell, Mr. Curry. Hand me that brush. It's huh? a hairbrush. Hand it to me. Oh, here. Ruth likes me to brush her hair. It's restful. outside for you. You won't have to go back to that hospital route. I'll take care
1: of you. I've been waiting here, Mr. Tover. I thought you'd call me. When did it happen? I was with her. She died a half hour ago.
0: Now, the furious avenues of the night are still. Only the sleepwalkers are there. Those who lust for dreams or realities that never come true. The seekers, the sodden, the huggers close of nothing. It's Broadway. The gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia. The program was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. Included in tonight's cast were Lou Merrow, Mary Lansing, Lillian Baeth, Paul McVeigh, Byron Kane, and Jack Crucian. FBN presents. You've been listening to some of the best in radio drama with Fibber McGee and Molly. And Broadway is my beat. Join us again Monday evening at the same time, 9:05, when Fpn presents *Dragnet* and *Escape*.